You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Conversations and Meditations. I'm your host, Virgil Varix, and today is Saturday, February 16th, 2019. Uh, if you haven't been with us since the start of the new year, happy new year, happy new year. Um, okay, so let's just get into the show. Okay, today I would like to talk about a couple different things. You know, one thing is, you know, the idea, the concept of being your own biggest critic, you know, you're being your own, uh, you know, <laughs> you kind of look at your way and in such a way that you have a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of, you know, uh, questioning, even questioning that doesn't seem to be right in accordance to what you're trying to do in life. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that today. But then after I kind of go through that, I would like to talk a little bit about, you know, becoming your biggest fan, your biggest supporter. Like how do you become your own biggest fan or biggest supporter? And I try not to – I don't mean that in a cheesy way. I try to, I'm meaning that in a meaningful way that will offer you a lot of um, benefit in your life. Okay. So we all, you know, have goals in life. You know, we all have different ambitions, dreams, hopes, um, ideas that we want to, you know, see come out into fruition, ideas that turn into businesses, that turn into podcasts, uh, companies, products that we think that we could sell. So, you know, this is part of, you know, being a human, right? You know, you have a lot of things in your mind and some people want to create and be creatives and, you know, are we, you know, obviously artists and musicians. So no matter who you are, whether you're working in a cubicle all the time or doing manual labor, everybody has these types of hopes, dreams, wishes, even hobbies. Let's take you have a hobby, you pick up a guitar, or you pick up a, some type of wind instrument or whatever, a piano, and then you try to do it. So everybody has these things that they want to try to accomplish. And, you know, most people, I would say, have a combination of things that are rational and make sense that they should go and do and things that might not necessarily be as rational. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but like I said, you know, one of the things that tends to happen is something will affect us and – whether it's we have a performance or whatever or like in my case, I do a podcast and I don't think it comes out as good. You know, that's when self-doubt starts to come in. And, you know, when we take – and the thing is like this is – the thing to understand about um, being, you know, your, your worst critic is that when you're your worst critic, you tend to stop taking as many risks and you become way more conscious of risks and it has a tendency, in my opinion, to uh, stop you from taking risks. And I think that, uh, you know, I kind of get into why I think that's such a big and, you know, bad problem. But, you know, it's important to understand that risk taking is also highly connected to, you know, success. You take a risk on something. I'm going to start a company, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And then it becomes successful and then I'm hiring people and offering value to myself and to others and to the community, right? Or I'm going to take a risk and spend my time trying to play the piano and become you know, proficient at it. Not necessarily a master or whatever, but become proficient. And I spend X amount of my hours weekly, which is a risk because I could be doing other things. There's an opportunity cost here, of course, like with everything else we do in life. So, but the thing is like I'm going to be enjoying it. I'm going to have the ability to enjoy that time and really find some comfort there. Um, but in reality, you know, a lot of people, 
when they don't do well in those in those things that they're trying to achieve, whether it's a business, a podcast, musicians, whatever, they end up calling themselves idiots, like you're a screw up, I'm a dummy. Um, and these are labels that we give to ourselves when, you know, it, it becomes like a shame-based self-image, you know, and, um, you know, your self-image directly can have a direct impact on your relationships and your, your choices in life. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, your self-image is highly associated with your self-esteem. And I think I might have mentioned some of the stuff talking about Nathaniel Brandon's book, uh, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, which I believe is episode six. Um, but to get into a little bit more of today, the self-image problem that a lot of people have when they view themselves as a dummy, as a screw-up, a lot of that could either have originated, you know, within themselves, but usually it originates within some older person when, when they were younger, of course. Some older person, whether it's a sibling, a parent, uh, an uncle, grandparent, that when they would mess up or make a mistake or anything, they would call them dummy, screw-up. So this has a tremendous effect on a person's self-esteem and particularly their self-image. And the self-image, like I said, is a shame-based self-image. And, you know, when you have this type of self-image, like I said, it does affect your self-esteem, but it holds you back from achievements by not believing that you could succeed, not believing that you could go out there and do what you want to do and work hard and achieve something in, in your, in your uh, you know, set of values. Um, because a lot of people view themselves the way they've been, you know, coined by their family or their friends their whole lives. If somebody's been calling you a dummy and you're uh, no good and you're a screw up your whole life and you don't have a positive self-image, which is almost impossible at that age when that's what you're getting, you know, so I have tremendous empathy and sympathy for people that, that have had those types of experiences. But what this causes, this causes you to view yourself as the dumb, screw-up idiot that your family or friends have labeled you. Yet, you know, people in, in those circumstances would never admit or even at times don't even realize that they have these particular views about themselves. They'll only have these views about themselves when either when they're doing something that, that, they, that they care about or they're trying to achieve something and they don't do a good job and then they'll go back. Usually it's in private. Go back and then, you know, say these things to themselves, whether it's an rumination of their failure or they're not, not being able to achieve as much as they thought they could have achieved or it's in, you know, outright right in the moment to themselves. Like, oh, wow. I'm, you know, I'm a dummy. I'm a dumbass for this. And, you know, a lot of people tend to do this and a lot of people don't understand that this is uh, in many cases a complete reflection of what a lot of us were told as young people. Now, um, like I said, it could have been by a teacher. It could have been by a parent. It could have been by a sibling. It could have been by a classmate that was older or somebody else in school that was older, right? You don't necessarily – it doesn't necessarily need to be that. But also, you know, you might not – you might have never had anybody in your life tell you these things. Now, I think everybody's had one or two people say these things at one point or another. So I think it's 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 prevalent within our society. It's prevalent within – individuals' lives. But I wouldn't go as far to say that everybody's had this experience because I think it's a unique experience that, you know, a lot of people tend to kind of, you know, ignore the trauma of their past. You know, unchecked emotional trauma from childhood, in my opinion, is some of the biggest um, causes for a lot of, you know, personality flaws and, you know, and people, including, you know, myself. So, and a lot of that has to do with not being able to process the stuff that has happened to us in the past, especially when we didn't have any control of our lives, and then to internalize it, integrate it within our being, and then let it go. So I think, you know, for people that are, are dealing with self-image issues, self-esteem issues, particularly because of a history of people believing that they were dumb and a screw-up, and then that's all they ever thought about themselves, you know, that's it. You know, you need to you need to look at what is true and what's not true. You need to stop thinking that just because this person said it and they might happen to be my parent or my friend or my older brother or sister or whoever, just because they said it doesn't mean it's true. 
And yes, we all make mistakes, even the people criticizing us. We all make errors. You know, we all have issues. We all have problems. We, all, we always don't do as best as we can. Sometimes we don't always put the highest amount of effort, you know, into, into, into something. You know, but it doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're worthless. It doesn't mean any of these things. See, these things are little things that we hear through our lives, whether it's through ourselves or through others and, you know, then manifest it through our own being and our own selves uh, unconsciously. You know, this is how you destroy a self-esteem. This is how you continue to create, you know, a life of anxiety, stress, and a life that will see, you know, the people that you love not succeeding. So to people that are the older person, you know, the parent, the teacher, the older brother or sister that says these type of stuff, and you're listening right now, know this, that your words are have effect, especially on young people, and that your words especially have an effect on the ability for that young person to see themselves in a positive image. Because the people who are, you know, supposed to love them most, support them most, care for them most, has these types of views about them, what do they what, what what do they think about themselves? Just as bad if not worse. So, you have to understand that if you have a an individual in your life that you care about, but you say stuff like this to them, realize this, you are not helping their situation. If anything, you're causing a lot of problems to them. And if anything, you need to check yourself and realize that you're just as error prone as anybody else. You're no better than anybody else. When you were younger or when you were in their position, you were just as, you know, helpless in a lot of ways. So you need to people that are that are saying stuff this stuff to, to young impressionable people need to never do this again because this destroys a self-esteem, this destroys a self-image. And particularly today, in the age of social media, in the age of Instagram, where people are comparing one life to another life, look how fun they're having and look how miserable I am. You know, stuff like this. Add that on top of all the stuff that, you know, a parent or an individual would say to another person, a younger person specifically. You're, you're just asking to make you're – just, you're just offering nothing but misery for that child or young person. And, it, and I see it. I see it with, you know, family members that have young kids. I, I've seen it within my own family in the past. I've, this stuff is prevalent. And, it's, and sometimes it's a lifelong thing. Sometimes it happens, like I said, once or twice here and there, and then a person just never really forgets it. Or, you know, this is, this is what it is. Um, you can see, see, your, your qualities can be portrayed through, you know, your words and actions in life. But you don't have to necessarily give a label to it. See, when you have a self-image rooted, like, you know, centered in shame, you fear being, you know, put out there in the light that you're insufficient, that you're bad, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're just flawed. You know, you're not likely to believe that your success is possible or that if you are successful, is just an accumulation of accidents that have kind of overcome your failures in time. You know, but many people with a low self-esteem and particularly a low, you know, shame-based self-image have the foundation that, you know, that my failures are what make me while completely ignoring their successes in life, while completely ignoring the strides they've made in their life to become a better individual. Again, it's not logical. It's not, it's not, it's not realistic. But again, we all get trapped in these types of thoughts from time to time. And, you know, a really important thing, you know, we have to be mind, we have to be mindful, you know, and a mindfulness based, you know, approach to looking at yourself, Right. Specifically, if you have a tendency to negatively label yourself, 
it's it's important to develop a very strong sense of self-compassion, right? And some, you know, just to, I haven't done this in a minute, but to clarify what compassion is, is a sympathetic uh, and, cons- you know, pity or concern for suffering of mor- or misfortunes of others. Self-compassion, like I, you know, like, like it says, is the extending of compassion to oneself in instances of perceived failure, suffering, or own perceived inadequacy or perceived failure or even perceived suffering, let alone suffering, failure, and inadequacy in our lives. Because a lot of this stuff can be distorted from our, from our point of view. And uh, it's important to understand that, you know, we have to be mindful about ourselves. We have to, in order to have, in order for self-compassion to work, you know, we have to, there's, there's three things that I really think are really important. And um, something that's really important in self-compassion is, you know, being kind to yourself, self-kindness. It entails that being warm towards oneself when encountering pain and personal shortcomings rather than ignoring them or putting them in the back burner or hurting oneself with self-criticism. So again, you know, you have to be kind to yourself, specifically if you want to get out of this trap of neg- negatively labeling yourself over and over again. You're not achieving anything. You're not getting anything done. You're stuck in life and you can't find a way out. I think the way out is to stop being your biggest critic and to start becoming your biggest fan. And it starts with self-compassion. You have to be self you have to have some self-kindness. You got to be like I said, you got to be warm to yourself. Spe- specifically when incur- you know when you have a tremendous amount of pain coming into your life, whether it's physical, emotional, any type of traumatic situation, if you have some personal shortcomings in life or professional shortcomings, it's important to not put this in the back burner and think about it another day, which you never will. And again, a lot of – specifically a lot of men tend to just completely ignore a lot of this stuff and you know, also women as well. But men tend to not take emotions as uh, seriously because there is a big stigma against this, uh, particularly you know, cultural stigma that men should be um, – stern and emotionless, whatever the hell a lot of people think. But in, in my personal opinion, um, you can't hurt – you cannot continue to hurt yourself with self-criticism that is not based in reality. And I'll get to what I mean by reality. Um, you have to have some common humanity, right? You know, the, the act of being of self-compassion – Involves recognizing that suffering and personal failure is part of the human condition. It's a part of the human life. This is everything that we experience every single day. Your suffering, my suffering, my failures, your failures, professional, personal, whatever. This happens, has happened to human beings from the time we were, a- you know, we were able to think like we think today. So know this. This is the suffering, the pain that we've all been going through in our lives, the inadequacies, the failures, personal and professional. This has been going on for eons. And, you know, nothing's going to change that right now. This is part of being human. You just have to learn the skills to cope with the stuff that, you know, with, with life. And it's understanding, you know, it's understand that we all have a common humanity and we're all in this together in a lot of, in a very weird shared way but this weird shared way is the human condition is human experience right i I mentioned mindfulness which is you know you know when we talk about that you have to have a balanced approach to your negative emotions so that your feelings are not exaggerated or suppressed so negative thoughts in particular negative emotions have to be observed with openness so they're held in, you know, a mindful spectrum. You know, mindfulness is non-judgmental. It's a receptive state of mind where 
an individual observes their thoughts, their feelings and their prior actions without trying to deny them, suppress them or even repress them. You know, mindfulness requires that we don't become too identified with a mental, emotional phenomenon so that we don't necessarily suffer the negative reactions. But it's important to understand that this is, this is for your psychological health. Every, every amount of research out there has indicated that self-compassion great, greatly increases individuals' experience in their psychological health compared to those who lack self-compassion. And for example, self-compassion is highly associated with life satisfaction, wisdom, happiness, optimism, curiosity, self-contentedness, you know, personal responsibility, emotional resilience, learning goals. You know? But you know, it also has a, it also is highly associated with a lower tendency for depression, anxiety, rumination, thought suppression, repression, you know, being a perfe- perfectionism, being a perfectionist, um, eating disorders, um, self-criticism in a way. I, I think I mentioned depression and anxiety as well. So there's a ton of studies out there that have shown this. But you have to understand that self-compassion and self-esteem, they're not the same thing. Um, they're different. And although, you know, many psychologists in the past have talked the benefits of self-esteem for years, you know, there has been some costs with the pursuit of a high self-esteem if it's not balanced by nature, if it's not balanced by rational thought. So when you, when you try to achieve a high self-esteem, right, this can cause people to develop narcissistic tendencies, you know, uh, an, un, an unstable view of their self-worth and self-perception and, you know, anything that would, you know, harm their ego, they get extremely defensive and uh, angry at people, whether it's a person or an idea or a thought. So know this, that, you know, self-esteem isn't just some, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the best and this and that. It's not. I mean, I've talked about this ad, ad nauseum on my on the episode six, but it's important to understand that self-esteem effects, positive effects, and self-compassion's positive effects are a little bit different. Even though there is some inter, you know, connectivity, specifically towards life satisfaction, optimism, happiness, stuff like that. So that's... That's what I that's what I think we need to understand that you know when we are our worst critic our biggest critic that it come it really comes down to understanding why that is and where does this originate from is it originating from myself is it originating from you know uh, past emotional trauma from childhood whether it's a family member or parents telling me you know you're not good enough you're this and you're that and you know something to realize after you can figure out where this, where this, you know, harsh self-critic comes in. If it's coming from a place that is, you know, not originating with you, meaning coming from a parent or whatever, you have to make a decision here. And the decision is whether or not I'm going to allow that individual to affect my self-image. Now, again, a lot of people love our parents, respect our parents, respect our friends, our elders, whatever. Whoever they, whoever has transgressed you in this way, we respect them in a lot of ways, you know, minus this. You have to make the decision whether or not to really respect what – really care what they say or don't care because you can't have it both ways. If somebody has told you your whole life that you're not good enough – and then you you still respect them in the sense of like, oh, I respect what they say and I think they're smart. You can't do both because guarantee if you are one or the other, you're going to have either – you're going to have a big gap in uh, your self-compassion and respect for yourself. So you have to figure out, you know, tell yourself like, look, I know who I am. I don't need somebody else to tell me who I am. You know, and, and again, you might not know who you are though. 
And that that's the journey that you need to go on and figure out who you are. And, and then from there, you can figure out your purpose. But know this, the, 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 um, the criticism that comes to us in life, if it's criticism that makes sense, and this is a really important point, if it's criticism that makes sense and criticism that isn't given in such a fashion that is meant to demean or to destroy one's self-image, we should take it and try to learn from it. Particularly, you know, in particular, our, our, our behavior. You know, I always tell people there's something in my, you know, behavior, my actions that are concerning to you. Please let me know or, you know, are not in my character or out of my character. Please let me know so I can make the necessary adjustments and I'll apologize. But, you know, it doesn't happen very often. It hasn't happened in a long, long time. But it's important to understand that, you know, criticism towards our egos, criticism towards our work, criticism towards our passions. These things can be very touchy subjects for a lot of people, specifically creatives too, right? Hey, man, I didn't like your album. What? Hey, man, I, I didn't like uh, your painting. What? You know, it can, it, can, it can kind of really hurt people's feelings. But you have to understand, you know, when it comes to a lot of different things, everybody has an opinion and opinions are subjective. Now they can come with some, it's very hard to bring evidence towards a lot of this arbitrary stuff, but... Yeah, you know what I mean. At least I hope you do. <laughs> um, but it's, it's 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 important to understand that we can't allow others to dictate how we feel about ourselves. We can't. It's 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 an it's incomprehensible. It is not a way to live life. And if anything, it's going to encourage depression, anxiety, and and all, all different types of suffering. So. It's, it's important to realize that. And if you've been a part of doing this to somebody, stop now and apologize to them for encouraging them to have a negative self-image of themselves. If you're a parent, go ahead and do it. Apologize to your kids. If you're a teacher and you've been doing this, apologize to that student. If you're an older brother or sister and you've been doing that to your younger, younger siblings, apologize. Say, I was dumb for doing and saying all these things to you. And not encouraging your po- a positive self-image to you while being able to criticize you. And a lot of people don't have that ability to be able to criticize an individual and then still reinforce a positive self-image to them. It's very hard for a lot of people. People just like to tear people down. Primarily because, you know, they're inadequate and they don't want to admit it. So it's much easier and much more, you know, it's easier to swallow the, the that fact while... You know, crapping on other people because you weren't shit (laughs) or aren't shit. Excuse me, but I had to say it. (laughs) So I also want to make make the mention and make the point that self-criticism is important though. Like actual realistic self-criticism that is based in reality. It's based on reason. Now, I mentioned I'll be talking about this, and this is where I'm going to start talking about it a little bit. If you have – if you do something against your standards for yourself, if you do something against your moral code, if you do something that you know will hurt somebody but you continue to do it, yeah, of course. You should have some self-criticism and some shame for some things, some of these things. Of course. These are normal, healthy emotions to have when making big mistakes. But these, but these, but this type of self-criticism needs to be based in reality. Like, for instance, let's say a, an individual was, you know, faithful to their uh, wife, and then that individual went and cheated on his wife. Right? Obviously, at that point, it's very easy to see that the person, you know, he, I've been, oh, I'm faithful to this and everything. And then they go and do this. They're completely going against their standards for themselves and the standards for the relationship. So what can you say at that point? Should you, should you, should you call yourself a horrible person? Yeah. In a sense, you've made a big mistake. You've made some errors. And, you know, if the person wants to leave you at that point, I don't blame them. But at the same time, you have to realize like, why did that moral failing happen? Why did these, why did these things happen? And again, a lot of people tend to, this is how it starts. You know, you have, 
you do something wrong, a moral failing in particular, and you see yourself do something that you never thought you, you would ever do, or you see yourself do something that you didn't think was, you know, in your capability. Like, for instance, you know, cheating on a spouse or really being nasty to somebody and, and getting loud and angry and aggressive. She never would ever thought you would be able to do that, but you do. What does that, what does that say about you as an individual? Well, depending on the transgression and depending on the situation, many, many various different things, right? I mean, this is, this is a multivariate equation and whatever, you know, whatever the situation is in life for different people, it'll come out with a different answer for what type of self-criticism you need to offer yourself. But again, your self-criticism has to be based in reality. It can't be based in, oh, I like playing piano, so I'm going to try to teach, uh, learn piano. And then you hear somebody play like an amazing, you know, uh, piece of music in, on piano, and you're like, "Oh, well, I guess I'm done because I suck." And you can't do that. <laughs> and a lot of people do that. Oh, well, yeah, I want to learn guitar, but you know, I'm going to put it off, and you know, I'll eventually get back to it. You know, there's a lot of talent out there, and I just don't think I can learn it that quick. And I would like to take it slower. You know, a lot of people say that. Myself at times, for different things. And it's just BS. This is your way of trying to quit. And this is what a this is what self criticism can cause people to do. Like I said, it prevents you from the will from having the will to act, the will to change, the will to make something different, the will to be better, the will to redeem yourself. Right. This is what self you know heavy you know unrealistic self criticism can do to you. It can stop you from achieving things that are in your grasp. It can prevent you from finding the love of your life. It can prevent you from being able to reconnect a relationship you had with a friend or a family member or a former loved one. So understand that this is, this is not an easy situation for a lot of people. You know, being your biggest self-critic, being your biggest critic isn't easy. Yeah, I mean, you want to be your biggest self-critic in a way, but it has to be based on reality. You know, I'm myself. I know me better than anybody else. When I do something that is against things that I like or things that I think are right or wrong, whatever, right? Then, yeah, I have to be critical with myself and figure out why did I do or say this to this person or whatever, right? Given the circumstance, that is. You have to figure it out. I'm not saying don't be a critic at all. I'm not saying just go life and not, you know, worry about your actions and your speech and your motivation. No, you have to. But it has to be based in reality. It cannot be based on what people have told you in the past. It can be based on like people have always called me a dummy and an idiot. So I guess I'm a dummy and idiot and not good for nothing. This is not real. What is real, though, is when you know something is right. Or know what needs to be done and you don't do it and put the right effort in, you got to be honest with yourself. Well, you know what? I didn't put as much effort as I did in the last you know, show and I want to put more effort in this show. I could say this. I've said this to myself many times in the past. But it, I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, I suck. I should stop podcasting. No, no that's, not, that's not realistic. That's not a realistic interpretation of what, my, of what an actual critique is. What an actual when you you know an actual critique is like you know hey, I made some mistakes. I should have probably done X, Y, and Z different. I should have probably prepared on you know A, B, and C, but doesn't mean I can't do it next time. This is I'm going to take this as a learning experience. So take your negative actions, reactions, emotions, thoughts that you get angry and you self criticize yourself on. Take that. Create it into a, change it into a learning experience. Try to get a lesson out of your failures, out of your mistakes, your personal failures, your, your professional failures. Make, a, make it a lesson. Teach yourself, what can I do to avoid this situation in the future? Then go ahead and avoid it. Don't do it again. Simple. At least that part is simple, Right? But to make, you know, to make the choice to do the right thing, to make the choice to criticize your ego and, and remo remove your ego, it's not easy because our egos want to protect, you know, ourselves in a lot of ways. But also, you know, 
the self-criticism bug that we all have, and some people have you know worse than others, tends to not necessarily, like I said, not necessarily be in accordance with what actually happened. A lot of people will have a situation, they messed up, right? But then they have a perception that they messed up tenfold more than they actually did. Maybe your scaling of how bad you screw up in life isn't right. Maybe you're not looking at it from an outside perspective. Maybe you're not giving yourself the chance to learn from your mistakes. And you just forget and you put it in the back and you keep going and doing the same mistakes, wondering why you're miserable. Well, here it is. You're not learning from your mistakes. You're, you're extremely self-critical, but you're not learning. It's good to be critical, but it's important to be honest with yourself. Honesty is key. Honesty with others obviously is super important. One of the most important things in the world. But honestly, honesty with yourself, it's priceless. It is priceless. So, it this can cause, like I said, a, a negative self-image. But also, it can, it can make people hate parts of themselves. That's why you got to take your flourishing seriously. You know, you got to focus on your rational self-interest rather than worrying about feeding your, you know, hedonistic tendencies in life or worrying about the inner critic that isn't realistic. You got to be critical with yourself only when it makes sense, like, you know, personal and professional failures, doing a bad job and not putting enough effort, right? You have to. But it, like I said, it has to be based in reality. You can't overshoot it or undershoot it. You have to give it for what it is. A good critic is someone who will be honest and discuss the issues. That's why being rational in these situations is, is essential for growth. You know, but th- this is this is a sad fact of, rea- of, of life. There's honestly so little encouragement and support for people these days. It's important to encourage others to go out there and, you know, to learn this. But it's even more important to encourage ourselves. You know, and, and to end, you know, to kind of end the, this, this uh, not end it now, but obviously to, in the latter half of the show, I told you, I want to talk about becoming your biggest fan, becoming your biggest supporter and how to do this. So wh- why do I... Why do I think it's important to be your biggest fan? Okay. So whether you have people in your life that support you, motivate you, push you to do the right thing, inspire you, give you hope, give you a different perspective that offers you a chance to do things a different way, whether or not you have people in this, in your corner who are like that, you still need to support yourself. You still need to be a fan of you, a fan of what you're doing. And this is very, you know, closely tied to self-love, you know, the concept of loving yourself. So, hmm. you have to, you have to understand that you can, you can be a critic of yourself, but you can, you have to also be your biggest fan. And it's, you have to believe in yourself. You know, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to take you seriously and no one will believe in you. If you have a company or some type of idea and you don't really believe in that idea or the product you're trying to sell or the service you're trying to offer, and then you go and try to find investors and then you go and try to build the company, hire people, no one's going to take you seriously. If you don't believe in yourself, don't look to other people to define your confidence. You get that from yourself. You get that from your worth. You get it from your value, from your virtues. You get it from the value you offer people and others and yourself in that moment on that on what you're trying to accomplish. In life, you know, no one's going to give it to you. 
The world isn't going to deliver your dreams on a, on a, you know, on a, on a silver platter or to deliver your passions, you know, manifested into some, you know, monetary product or service. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. Your self-critic, you know, specifically a self-critic that's not based in reality puts you in a position where you sit around waiting for that next opportunity. You sit around waiting for the promotion or sit around waiting to get into shape. These things do not happen without the will to act. The will to act is everything. Everything. And that's what stops people. You can be you can be you can be the best most well-read person in the world. You can be a extraordinary um, scientist. You can be all these things. Your training, your perseverance, your dedication to a whatever. But it is it means nothing. It is worthless without the will to actually act. Without the will to go up there and put yourself out there and actually take a risk in your life while trying to accomplish something that will encourage your own flourishing. The will to act, the effort that you put, definitely has a psychological cost and benefits, of course. But they also have a lot of value and meaning. You know, effort adds value to the goals that we effortly pursue. But effort can be rewarding in its own right. You know, effort is not only valued in retrospect, but it can feel rewarding while being, you know, exerted. Those, you know, rewarding experiences can also be anticipated when making decisions about future actions. So, for example, today, right, like I mentioned, trying to get healthier, trying to get stronger, trying to lose some weight, to the gym. You have to add, you know, if you're not working out, you're not going there often, you're not eating right, you're not putting the effort in, you will not get closer to the goals. But like, like, like I just said in that, that passage I was reading, effort is not only valid in retrospect, but it can feel rewarding while it's being exerted. While working out today, you can feel, you know, especially if you're trying to get healthy, you can feel while working out that, okay, I'm, this is, even though I'm tired, even though this kind of sucks right now, you know, I've been at this for like two minutes, whatever. This is good. This is great. I'm in the zone because this is going to encourage my flourishing. And you get a couple more reps in. You can hit that extra mile. You can continue going around. And, you know, we admire people for their accomplishments and their abilities. You know, we, we accomplish, we, we, you know, we, 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 we really love watching, you know, people in the world, whether they're entrepreneurs or they're uh, social, you know, uh, social media influencers or, you know, people on the internet who podcast and do YouTube, whatever. Media personalities, I don't care who it is, celebrities. People, you know, appreciate their accomplishments and abilities. Yeah, but people don't understand that through years of rigorous understanding, training, education, that these people have achieved what they've achieved. Through all this hard work, through all this effort, you know, this is what this is what has happened. You know, Lao Tzu uh, has that very famous quote. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. But again, you know, you have to realize that the first and last step of that journey have a cost. You know, it requires effort. It has to be valued. You know, rewarding the value of effort has so much of an important effect on human psychology. You know, when you when you tell a younger person, specifically a sibling or a, your own child, you know, you when you when you encourage them and congratulate them on the effort they've performed, it's not only something that makes them feel good in the moment. This is something that will positively encourage a positive self-image of themselves. 
And it's so little. It's so, it's so easy. But so little people encourage others. So little people actively encourage the people around them. Friends, family. Very rarely. They might do it, you know, when they're at games or they're playing games or, you know, in sports or whatever, right? They might do it then, but they don't do it any other time. So something that we need to realize, something we need to do more, more often is to encourage people for putting in effort in what they want to achieve. But again, the effort has to be based and the achievement, the goal has to be based in reality. It has to be, you know, it has to make sense. It has to be based in reason. You can't have some goal like I'm going to become an astronaut and then have no plan on how to do it. I would not want to go to school. You can't do that. You just can't. Right? It's. I mean, these, you know, I want to, I want to go and uh, fly, uh, you know, space shuttles for NASA. It's like, well, you do. Fine. There's a way to do that, I'm sure. But, again, what are the odds? And again, are you putting a goal that's realistic that, you know, if you did not get it, would you be completely bummed out? Is there something else that in that field that you might like and might enjoy? So with your goals, I would say get specific but not too specific because the specificity of your goals tend to have or tend to add anxiety towards whether or not you're achieving them in the, pers- you know, in the, in the specific, you know, way in the spec you know the specified way you want the goal to be achieved. You know, in a study they mentioned uh if effort is consistently rewarded, people might learn that effort is valuable and become more willing to exert it in general. This will this will push people to become more resilient. This will push people to become better individuals to become better, you know, people at doing everything, working, family life. I mean, this is why effort's so important. But again, <laughs> you can't be your biggest supporter if you're not putting in the effort. Cuz no one's going to give it to you. You got to do the work. You know, but also if you're trying to be your biggest fan, your biggest supporter, you got to realize when you do the good things, when you do the right things that will push you forward, are you patting yourself on the back? Or do you, is all you do is criticize your failures, look at your mistakes from your bad decisions, and never congratulate yourself for your successes in life? Recognizing your, vis- your, your victories in life, recognizing your successes, being proud of them, celebrating them. This motivates us to get an even higher level of performance in life. Looking at your looking at your successes and saying, "Wow, I worked hard for this. I put in the effort that made this possible." If you're not doing that on a constant daily basis and looking at what you're doing right, but all you do is spend is looking at what you're doing wrong, you're never going to get yourself to the next level. You're going to stay stuck. Whether it's in a relationship, work, friendships, I don't care. It can be anything, hobbies, entrepreneurship, anything. You have to realize when you're making failures, of course, but you also and you take lessons from them, but you also have to realize what you're doing right and celebrate that. And this will motivate you to even better and greater heights. Yeah. You have to also be willing to... <laughs> you, have to willing, you have to be willing to allow other people to be aware of your accomplishments. You must take, you must take the, the necessary steps to recognize your work. This is not, it's not bragging. It's showcasing. You know, and through through your hard work and effort, hopefully you can motivate other people to do good and beautiful, great things. And maybe, you know what? Maybe you can help them. Maybe you can mentor them. 
Maybe you can help them have a positive self-image of themselves and throw away the shame self-image. And again, like I, I guess what this show is all about. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is your life and you want, you want the best for yourself. You have, to, you have to encourage yourself to keep moving forward. Your life's about you. Again, it might sound selfish or arrogant, whatever, but your life's about you. You have to make the necessary adjustments in your life to make these things possible. But you cannot keep sustaining and being your word, you know, your biggest self-critic while not even realizing the right things and the best things you've done for yourself. So please be aware. You have to start rooting for yourself. You have to start being your biggest supporter. You have to start being your biggest fan. It's not about bragging. It's about showcasing your achievements and standing up for yourself. It's about fighting for your happiness. It's about fighting for the meaning and purpose in your life. And the only way that's going to get done is by the will to act. So again, I want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank you for supporting me and being a positive enforcement on myself. Mm -hmm. 